Hey, hey, we are, uh, you know, just in this series called Building Character. We're talking about life hacks for living forward. We've been looking at characters in the Bible. We've been looking at their life. We've been looking at portions of their life, uh, you know, different things in their life that we can take away and help us live our lives in a way that brings God glory. Now, I want to ask you a question this morning as I get started. As you think about your Christian life, have you ever wondered, you ever asked yourself the question, you know, am I really like able to serve? Am I able to really make a difference? Can God really use me? And, 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 if, he, and if he can use me, like what is he looking for? I mean, you know, what is he, what is he after? What kind of a person is he looking for to use in the kingdom? I mean, is he looking for like, you know, special people with like really significant gifts, you know, people that have sort of already been identified as outstanding in some area? Or, or is he just looking for regular folks? Or, and if he is looking for regular folks, what is he looking for? I mean, what is he looking? I mean, is he looking at me? What does he want me to have? You know, he want me to have like, you know, the ability to do something or, or you know, whatever it is. Have you ever wondered those kind of things? Like, what, what, is he, what does he want from me and, and who's he looking for? Well, this morning we're going to talk about that because we're going to look at a life this morning of one of the greatest Bible characters in all of the Bible. His name is David. And uh, we know David from lots of stories. David was the guy, you know, David and Goliath, he killed the giant. You know, he's the guy that sinned against God by having that, uh, you know, by, by having that inappropriate relationship with Bathsheba and then having her husband killed. And I mean, this guy is all over the board in life. And, uh, but he started out his life much like many of us. It was just kind of a normal life. Uh, he was nobody spectacular. He was in this Jewish family. There's some brothers in the family. He was like the youngest guy. He was a shepherd, took care of the sheep. I mean, you know, just a normal run of the mill, average kind of guy. And, and uh, he was a humble shepherd. In, in his family. And, uh, but during his life, uh, you know, he became one of the greatest figures in all of Scripture. And it, you know, over the course of his life, listen, I wrote things down just from stories I know about him and things I've read and studied. But listen to this. During his life, he, he, he was a shepherd, right? Then he, he, he kills Goliath, right? He's this warrior guy. And, and, uh, but he was a poet, yeah, I mean, he was a poet, he was a musician, he was a warrior, he was a politician who ultimately became a king. And when you describe him, he was wise, he was smart, he was, in, he was confident, he was a loyal friend, there's a story about him being friend, and, and, and he's the only person, the only person in all of the Bible that is described as a man after God's own heart. The only person. And he's mentioned in the New Testament more times than any other Old Testament figure. No other name of anybody in the Old Testament is mentioned more times than David in the New Testament. He almost sounds, when you hear about this, like it's too good to be true kind of a thing, right? And uh, it almost sound, he almost sounds like he's a, a perfect guy, right? He, he's got everything going on. But there's a whole lot more to David's story. And uh, even though he was a great man, and he, and he lived an incredible, impressive life. David was a man. And David sinned against God. He blew it on a number of occasions. 
sometimes really big ways, sinning with Bathsheba. You remember that story, David and Bathsheba? I mean, he struggled with sin, and he messed up a whole bunch of times in his life, and he had to live his entire life in the consequences of the sin that he committed. But he's got this remarkable story. And, uh, and the reason that we're going to look at his life today is because I think, really, when we look at everyday folks and all of us, his life's a lot like our life. Because in, in he was just a guy. He, he was just working an ordinary, he wasn't an ordinary life. He wasn't like, you know, he didn't have like a big Facebook following. You know, he, he wasn't, uh, you know, some YouTube sensation. He didn't have a big platform, didn't have a whole bunch of people looking at him going, oh, he's the man. He was just a shepherd in a, in a family of a, of a bunch of other guys. And, uh, and so he starts out that way. But when we look closely at his life, it's a lot like mine and yours because we're just kind of cruising out there, whatever we have. And, you know, not, you know I, I don't know anybody in Heartland. I mean, a lot of people, you'll do some neat things. All of you do incredible things. But I don't know anybody that's like, you know, when you turn on the news, they go, hey, there they are. I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody like that. But we, but we can see in his life how that God deals with people that he loves and how he can use us and do important stuff in our lives, even when we might not think that he can. And so we're going to take a look at that. And I want to look at one part of David's life today. And this really, I'm not going to tell all the stories about the Goliath and the giant. We're not going to talk about David and Sheba and all that. We're going to talk about when David was just a shepherd and when God anointed him as king, when he called him to be the king uh, of, of Israel. And I want to tell you what was going on. There's a little bit of a backstory here. Okay, David's story takes place in a time in history when the, the people of Israel uh, weren't doing so well in God's eyes. Okay, matter of fact, there was a guy named G. Frederick Owen. He wrote a book called Abraham to the Middle East Crisis. This is the way he described the people of Israel during that time. He says, the people were on a long drift from God. In other words, the nation of Israel, they weren't really living for God. You know the history. You can look all through the Old Testament. Man, they were on fire for God. Then they, they were on the mountain. Then they're in the valley. They were on the mountain. Then they're in the valley. They were always blowing it. Well, at this particular time in history, they were blowing it. Things weren't real good. And at this point in history, they were led by a God-appointed judge and a prophet, and his name was Samuel. So Samuel was the guy that they were, they were led by. And uh, he was the very last judge that God appointed to lead the nation of Israel. After Samuel, we're going to see today, God gave Israel a king to lead. And so after Samuel, they were led by kings like all the other nations. And here's the story. Samuel's getting old. He's, he's, he's the prophet and he's the judge and he speaks to God and God gives him instructions and he tells people what to do and he's getting old. And he's got two boys. And, 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 uh, and so he decides, I'm going to make my two boys the judge, the judges over Israel. They're going to take, they're going to pass down the family deal. They are now going to be the judges. There was only one problem. These boys weren't very good. They were bad boys. And uh, they, they, uh, you would see these guys on an episode of Cops if you were to watch ep episode of Cops. These, these guys were not, not good. And uh, l listen to what it says in 1 Samuel 8, 1 through 3. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. And they were judges in Beersheba. Okay, listen to verse 3, though. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. So these guys were like 
taking money. I mean, they, they, they were like all about, all about the money. They must have been televangelists. Anyway, um, I, 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 just, I don't know why I said that. But anyway, they must have been. They were all about gain. They took bribes and they perverted justice. Okay, they were, in, they were in doing, they were trying to lead. They were basically in ministry for the money and for the wrong reasons and, and for power and prestige and all these things. And then, so among the people, the people looked at them and said, this isn't gonna work. So there was a grassroots movement and all the people got together with the leaders and they all went to Samuel and they had a little chat with, with Samuel. And here's what they, what they said. They, they said, uh, it says, then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to Samuel, behold, you're old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. Basically, they said, Samuel, you're getting to be an old guy. You're going to die before too long. And you've appointed these two boys and these guys are scoundrels. All right. They're taking bribes. They're in this for the money. They're in it for the wrong reasons. And we're tired of this and we don't want anything to do with it. Matter of fact, you know, you know we've got something else we want to talk to you about. All the nations around us, they've all got a king. When somebody says, who's your leader? They can go, there he is. He's the king right over there. When somebody says, who's our leader? We go, well, it's God. He's invisible. And everybody looks at us and laughs. And so we want a king. We want a king like everybody else has got. And so Samuel's upset about this and he doesn't like it, but, but, but they want a king. They're tired of all this. Now, I want to tell you something just real quick here. There's a little lesson right here for all of us. Isn't it amazing how people have not changed over thousands of years? Isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, you know, we want to think that we're different than these people. But the fact of the matter is, is people have always been in a hurry to get what they want. And they genuinely want something that everybody else has got. They want to be just like everybody else. And they want you to hurry up and give it to them. Does that sound a lot like us? I mean, our culture today sounds a lot like us. Things were exactly the same back then. Instead of waiting on God to provide what we really need, we want to force the issue. We want what we want, and we want God to give it to us right now, okay? And that's what's going on there. The people of Israel did the same thing. So God is listening to this, and God is aggravated about it, but God says, okay, boys, girls, you want a king? I'm going to give you a king. All right, listen, listen to this. Sometimes you get what you want, and then you wish later you hadn't got what you want. 1 Samuel 8, 7 through 9, and the Lord said to Samuel, here's what I want you to do, boy. I, I hope y'all don't mind me throwing stuff like that in. That, that, that's, in that's in the Ed Kendrick version of the Bible, the, uh, the EKV. Okay, okay, the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, Samuel. I know you're feeling like you're being rejected, but it's not about you. They've rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds they've done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, they're forsaking me and serving other gods. They've been doing all this crazy stuff. So they're also doing the same thing to you right now. Now then obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So God says they want a king. They don't want me to be their king. All right, give them a king. Well, he, God chose a guy to be their king. His name was Saul. And uh, the guy was exactly what you would think a king ought to be. He was tall, dark, and handsome. He was good looking. You walk by and all the girls would go, ooh, there goes the king. 
You know, everybody was excited about the king. All the guys wanted to be like the king. Wondering, you know, what kind of diet is he on? You know, what is he doing? Oh, he must be on Noom. I don't know. I, you know, they're all, they're all, everybody's, everybody's talking about what he's doing. Oh, he goes to the gym every week. Look at him. Well, that boy's buff. You know what I'm saying? Oh, he wins battles. This boy's a king right here. Then the other nation would say, where's your king? They go, hey, you want to see our king? Look at that. Right there's our king. There he is. And everybody's excited about the king. And in the beginning, he was a good king. In the beginning, he was great. He honored God and he did what God said exactly to do. But then over time, he began to not do the things that God wanted him to do. He became thin-skinned. He, he, in, in our current vernacular, he was cray-cray. Now for you old people, he was crazy, okay? He was crazy. The guy went nuts. The guy was deep depression. He would have fits of anger and rage. I mean, if you read the whole story and read about David, he threw spears at David, tried to kill people. I mean, the guy went crazy. Well, now the guy's gone crazy. The people wanted a king. God gave him a king. Everybody's excited. Look at our good-looking king. And now the good-looking king is crazy as a sprayed roach. Uh, He's nuts. He's crazy. And now the people are in a pickle. What do you do? You ask for him. You said, God, we don't want you to be our king. We want a king. God gave him a king. Now the king's gone crazy. So what what do you do? Well, the people, were, it, was, it was messed up. And so, what do you do? Well, the people got lucky. Because God is looking at him and he's saying, he's nuts. He's not following me. He's gone off the deep end. He's taken a different road. He cannot be the king any longer. So God decides to remove him as the king. And so they get lucky. So listen to 1 Samuel 13, 13 through 14. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolish. So so God's talking to Samuel. Samuel's passing the word on to Saul. He says, Saul, you've done foolishly. You've not kept the command of God, the the Lord your God, with which he commanded you. For the Lord would have established your kingdom forever if you'd have done that. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you've not kept what the Lord commanded. And this is where David enters the story because David was the guy that God chose to be the new king over Israel. David was born about 10 years after Saul became king. So David was just a kid. He was young. And, and, and God chooses him to be the king of Israel. So I want to take a few minutes now and I want to focus on God's choosing of David. Because when we look to see what kind of a person does God choose to do his work? What kind of a person does God choose to advance the kingdom? What kind of person does God want to use to make things the way ever God, whatever God wants to make them? What kind of a person? And we're going to see that as we see him choosing David. And here's what I want, there's a, ver, there's a little thing, not a verse, but a little statement I'm going to make all through this, and I want you to take it, and I want you to write it down. God uses nobodies, and he turns them into somebodies. God uses nobodies and turns them into somebodies. Okay, well, the first thing we see here is that God is looking for regular people. Okay, one of the things we can see is God is using regular people. When he calls or chooses someone for a task, he doesn't look for superstars. 
God doesn't look for the person that looks like they're the most qualified. He doesn't look for the person that's got the most gifts. He doesn't look for the person that's got the biggest following or the, most, the best education or, or the best, you know, whatever it is. The most money, lives in the right neighborhood. God doesn't look at all that stuff. When he's wanting to use someone, he looks for ordinary people. I mean, I want you to think about this for a moment. Uh, and I, this is in the story, and I'm not going to read the scripture here. I'm just going to sort of tell you the story. But God, so what God does is he says, I've, I've already picked somebody, and this is how we're going to find out who it is. Samuel, the prophet and the judge. Samuel, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Jesse's house. Okay, the, I want you to go over to Jesse's house, and Jesse's got some boys. And I want you to get all the boys to come out because I've chosen one of these boys to be the next king of Israel. So Samuel goes over to Jesse's house. He says, Jesse, bring out your boys and line them up. So all the boys come out and they're all lined up. And Samuel's looking at them and he's waiting on God to say, this is the guy, right? And God's not saying, this is the guy. And now Samuel's getting a little worried. Samuel's like, well, what in the world? Here I am, I'm gonna look like a fool. God said, come here and I'm supposed to pick out the next king and hear all these. And, and I'm just telling you, I'm just not feeling it. Not one of these guys is not the king. And so then Samuel looks over at Jesse. He goes, let me, let me ask you a question do you have any more kids? And he goes, oh, David. He's the little guy, the runt. He, he, he's just a little guy. He's out taking care of the sheep. Yeah, he, he's out there. And he says, get him and bring him. And so he brings David in. And Samuel says, that's the guy. Now think about the situation for a moment. Jesse brings out all of his boys and he's got some strapping young men and he goes, oh, this one's done, this one's a good warrior, this, one's a, this one knows how to grow a great garden, this one's, boy, he's, he's got some cattle over here, this, this one's got, and David, he's just watching the sheep. And God says, I don't care what they can do, I don't care what they've done, I don't care how old they are, I don't care how wise they are, I don't care if David's not as wise, I don't care if he's young, I don't care if he doesn't have the skill, I don't care any of that stuff because you see, I don't look at things the way you look at them. I look at the heart. Amen. And he's the man. Amen. And, and he chooses a shepherd boy to be the next king over the nation of Israel. God uses ordinary people. And I want you to see that because sometimes you think you don't have what it takes. Sometimes you don't think that God can use you. Sometimes you don't think I've got that giftedness. Sometimes I don't have that thing. Sometimes I don't have enough education. I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know enough about this. I haven't been around young enough. I'm too young. I'm too old. Whatever it is, you use all these excuses. And God's going, I don't get a rip about any of that stuff. I'm God. I'll take care of business. I'll take care of what I need to take care of. I can take a nobody, turn him into a somebody. Amen. He can do the same thing with you. He can do the same. He has done the same thing with me. Let me tell you something. When I started in this ministry deal, I'm going to share something with you guys. I was working at a bank, and I was going through a medical dilemma in my life. I, have, I was suffering severe anxiety attacks. We would go to Sunday school class. My wife will tell you this. If my Sunday school teacher called on me and said, we want you to read this passage of scripture, I would immediately break out in visible sweat. I could barely read 
two sentences and I would have to ask Nancy to finish it. I would stutter and stammer. I couldn't do it. I would go into this complete freak out mode and all I wanted to do was run out of that classroom. I'd take medicine to help me with that. And God looked at me and said, you can't even read two sentences in front of a group of people, but I'm going to stand you up on a stage and you're going to talk to thousands of them with confidence. Now, I'm not saying that. To, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying, he did it, I didn't do it. Because if he hadn't have done that, I'd fall over right now. Y'all would have to get the paddles out there and put them on me. It'd be bad. But he did it. He can take a nobody and get them to where he wants them to be. Somebody that doesn't think they have it and put them right where he wants them to be. See, it's not about what you think. It's about what he wants. Okay, that, that's what it's all about. I am going to go so long and get in trouble for this sermon because I'm going slow. Okay, here we go. God uses nobody and he turns them into somebody's. And then God's looking for righteous people. And, and we're going to go to chapter 13. It says, and Samuel's now talking to King Saul. Remember Saul, the guy that's not going to be the king anymore? Okay, Samuel's talking to Saul. He goes, Saul, you've done foolishly. You, you've not kept the command of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For, when the Lord, uh, for then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. You could have been the king. Your, your descendants could have been the king. I mean, it would have been great, but you've messed up. Now your kingdom shall not continue. And then listen to this sentence. The Lord has sought after a ma- out a man after his own heart. What does it mean to be someone after God's own heart? Well, I wrote two things down. It simply means, one, that your life is in harmony with God. What's important to God is important to you. Where God says to go, you'll go. When he says to do something, you'll do it. When he says stop doing something, you'll stop doing it. When he says it's wrong, you don't want to go there because you know it's wrong. Because you're more interested in pleasing God than you are in getting your own way or pleasing yourself. That's a person that's their life is in line with God. That's the way they live their lives. It also means that you've grieved over your sins, that you've repented and committed your life to God. There's come a point in time in your life when you've recognized that you're a sinner and you've got on your knees and you say, God, forgive me of my sins. Help me live my life for you. I trust you. Put my faith and trust in you. Save me. And, and, so, and that's a righteous person. That's where it starts. And so God begins looking at that, and he's looking for righteous people, people that make him the priority, people that are sold out to him. That's who he's looking for. But he's also looking for humble people. 1 Samuel 16, 1, it says, the Lord said to Samuel, says, how long will you grieve over Saul? You know, Samuel was all upset because he just thought Saul was going to be the man. And he got, humanly got all upset. But God says to him, he goes, how long are you going to grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your home with oil and go, and I will send you to Jesse's, Jesse the Bethlehemite's house. Okay, that's, that's David's dad. Okay, I have provided for myself a, a king among his son. And then we read in Psalm 78, 70, that he chose David, his servant, and listen to where he took him from, from the sheep folds. He wasn't one of the prominent sons. He wasn't some guy that had a lot of, you know, extraordinary wisdom in a lot of ways. He hadn't lived a lot of life, experienced a lot of things. But God saw in David's heart that he was completely righteous and he had humility in his heart. David was faithfully tending sheep, the lowest job you could have. And God could see him out there tending the sheep and he knew that he took pride in it and he was doing a good job. God could have chosen anyone, 
But in choosing David, he made a point to you and to me. He made this point. I don't care about power and prestige. I don't care about a slick public image. I'm not looking for a particular temperament or someone with a lot of charisma. I don't even care about an impressive track record. I want somebody who's authentic, a servant, good character, who doesn't care who gets the glory and who's sold out to me. That's who I'm looking for. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at your heart. And that's what he's looking for. He says, listen, I can take a nobody and turn him into a somebody, but I need the right heart. And that's what I'm looking for. God's also looking for integrity. Psalm 78, 70 through 72, it says that he chose David, his servant, and he took him from the sheepfolds. From following the nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people. So he brought him from shepherding sheep to being the shepherd of an entire nation. With an upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. You see, God sees the integrity in David. You know what integrity is? It's what you do when nobody's looking. And so he saw when no one was looking that David was a man, a young man of integrity. And God was looking for that integrity. Integrity is the purest form of honesty in our lives. David was sold out to God both in his public life and in his private life. David didn't act one way when he was around a certain group of people and another way when he was around another group of people. Can I get an amen? Y'all, if you're a Christian, you ought to be acting the same way all the time, right? And we all struggle with that, but he didn't act one way around one group and another way around another group. He was a young man of integrity. The key ingredients that God looks for when he wants to work in someone's life are these things that we're talking about. Here's what he looks for. You want to know what God looks for? Do you think you might be able to be used in the kingdom? Do you think God can ever do anything with you? Or do you think you're too far gone or you don't have what it takes? Let me tell you what God's looking for. He's not looking for a superstar. He's looking for regular people. Just regular old people, just like you, just like me. We're all at different places in life. We, some people are wealthy, some aren't so wealthy, some live in this neighborhood or that. Some have big education, some don't have a lot of education. Some have a lot of work experience, some don't have a lot of work experience. Some people don't catch on to things as fast as other people catch on to things. That's just life. But here's the point. God uses all those kinds of people, regular old people, to do extraordinary things. That's what he does. So don't you ever think for a moment that you can't be useful in the kingdom of God. He uses regular people and righteous people. He wants people who have put their faith and trust in him through his son, Jesus Christ. And he uses humble people. He doesn't want self-promoting, stand on the platform. I've got to get the glory. I've got to get the pats on the back. I've got to get the, the, all the accolades. He doesn't, his, God's not interested in that. Here's what God's interested in. He's interested in regular old people who will roll up their sleeves and get busy for the kingdom. And when somebody says, hey, you're doing pretty good, they go, I'm not doing anything. He's doing it all. Amen. That's what he's looking for. That's what he's looking for. And he's looking for people with integrity. He's looking for people that are honest to the core, that when nobody's looking, they're still good folks. That's what he's looking for. 
That's the things that God looked for in David, and that's the things he's looking for in you. Let me ask you a question this morning. Have you ever felt insignificant? Have you ever felt like you don't have the right stuff, or you, or you maybe felt like a nobody, or like you've blown it so bad that God could never use you? Maybe you don't have the smarts, maybe you don't have the looks, maybe you don't have the power, maybe you don't have the prestige. Maybe someone's always told you that you didn't have one or two of those things, or maybe they've told you you didn't have any of those things. Maybe you've been brought up your entire life and told that you were stupid and worthless. Maybe somebody's driven you down and beat you up your entire life. Do you judge yourself by their standards and what other people have told you or the mistakes that you've made or the sins that you've committed? Because if, if, if that's you, I want you to know something. You ought to be encouraged this morning because God doesn't look at all that stuff. He looks at you, the ordinary, old, raunchy, nasty, messed up, sinful you. And he says, I can forgive you of those sins and I can make you something you can never make yourself. I can take a nobody and turn them into a somebody. God uses nobodies and turns them. And that's what he did with David. He took a nobody, just a sheep watching little kid out there that nobody thought about. His own daddy forgot about him. Oh, yeah, that one. What would happen if you begin to, to believe this? What would happen if you quit worrying about the way the world looks at you and begin to worry about how God looks at you? What would happen if you begin to trust God to do what he wants to get done? Do you think that might make a difference in your life? you think it might make a difference in your family's life? What if God's looking for the person to do the next big thing and it's you and you don't even know that he's looking for that? What if you're in the running and he's just waiting for somebody that's got the characteristics that we talked about today? Listen, follow David's examples and take this and write it on your mirror and write it on your visor. Just don't look at it when you're driving. Those of you who are into tattoos, this is a good one. (laughs) God takes nobodies and turns them into somebodies. Father, we thank you today that you can see past our faults. We thank you today that you can see the potential in us when we can't even see the potential in ourselves. God, we thank you that from before eternity passed that you put together a plan and we're part of it. God, help us to be willing to submit to your plan. Help us to put our faith and our trust in you through your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to be righteous and live our lives that way. Help us to live our lives with humility. Help us to be the kind of people that bring you glory. God, if there's a person here today and they've never done that, it begins with a relationship with you. You tell us in your word that if we will confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And God, if there's a person here today and they don't have that relationship with you, I pray that today that you will save them. God, that today they will say, I'm going to step into this and I'm believing and I'm putting my faith and trust in Jesus and I am a nobody. I'm just stepping into this and I'm going to see what God can do and I'm going to step forward and, and just follow his lead. 
God, I pray that somebody made that decision today. If, that's, if you want to make that decision, pray with me right now. Just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. God, I, I, I want to have a relationship with you. God, I, I, I've been kind of down on myself, and maybe I've even down on you a little bit, but today all that changes. Today I'm putting my faith and my trust in you. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of unrighteousness and to save me in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you are a believer already. But if the truth is known, you, you've been sort of sitting on the sidelines because you did that thing, you said that thing, you lived that lifestyle, you had that attitude, you haven't done anything for a long time, and you just don't think you can be useful and that God could never do anything because you're maybe thinking of yourself as a nobody. But you see, that's who he takes and turns into somebody's. So maybe you need to recommit your life to him today. Maybe you need to go to one of the crosses and put a prayer request on the crosses. I don't know what you need to do. But I know this, when I read stories like this, they get me so excited and so pumped up because I know that I'm a nobody outside of my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That makes me a somebody. And I know that that what God's done in my life and how he's moved me through that journey and, and the work he's done in my life, and I know he can do it in anybody's life. And I hope that you'll trust him to do that in yours. If you made a decision to follow Christ, if you recommitted your life to Christ in a moment, we're all going to stand and sing. And I would invite you to make your way to the doors. And we've got people with, people with lanyards on that want to pray with you and talk to you about your new decision and where you go from here and give you some resources, all that kind of stuff. I don't know what you need to do, but you do what God leads you to do.